In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps. Inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill, climb your way. Join us for the opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. It's another episode of 1% Better. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Here to fill you in on the latest with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Zach, we're crawling along with this weird, unprecedented offseason. So a little bit of, I guess, developments on the COVID front this week. So some of the Colts employees back in the building this week that's definitely new no football operations people for the most part no coaches no coaches no players players, unless they're injured correct they can rehab but but it is a step and i think if this goes well that will open the door to further expansion so we'll see um even some talk this week of the potential for mini camps next month um i'm skeptical but i'm skeptical too but at least it's being Broached, topic, you know, discussed right. as a possibility, right. even an unlikely one. Yeah, we're seeing progress. So, so hey, um, you know, I think all of this points to reason for optimism for the season, at least to start on time. And I think, you know, that's what really matters here. And for all of us, I mean, I want to see them play some football. We we have talked about this team ad nauseum about what they might right. do. Uh, I want to see them play. So, you know, maybe we'll have that opportunity. Um, so the virtual offseason continues uh we talked to frank reich this week uh as as we have for the past several weeks uh zach i want to touch on a couple things that he said Mm -hmm. um just general developments i I think the one thing that that we probably haven't talked a lot about is uh what's going on with kamoko ture and i think that frank uh, i i think gave an honest assessment about what kind of loss that was for the Colts last year, I think in week five, Monday. Yeah, uh, it was Kansas City game. In Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, I really think that is an under-discussed loss for the team. But it sounds like he's on his way back on the mend, and they're expecting big things for him from him. Just what's your take on Kamoka Ture and what's next for him? I think he's a big piece of this. Well, for all the talk about Buckner and Houston and, and yeah, what they're doing on defense, point. man. They need Ture, man. If he takes a step, that changes the game. And a lot of people forget the game he got hurt in was, was the very end of that Kansas City game. But what he did that night was remarkable. He was he balled out. I mean, he was, a, he was a monster. And that's the kind of stuff they need from this guy. And you talk about a lot of these edge rushers and defensive ends, they take the jump in year two, and you were starting to see that from him. That's why they were so hamped. And Ture's working, man. He's working with Robert Mathis. He's back. He he's he's he knows what's at stake. And and you go back a couple of years ago when he was drafted. Remember, he was part of that four man 
crew in that second round, right? Where they got Darius Leonard, they got Tyquan Lewis, they got Braden Smith, and they got Toure. And Toure has flashed. He has flashed big time. He's got the speed. And, and, and this is what I had always thought. And, and Reich mentioned this the other day. He's got the speed and the get off and all that stuff you need as a defensive end, but he's got the bend that is rare. And I think that's why they drafted him there after a pretty injury marred college career at Rutgers. Um, but they like his upside. They think that he has unteachable qualities. Um, and, and look, Justin Houston's back this year. He was great last year, but it's probably a long shot. He's back in 2021. So they need Toure to step into that alpha dog pass rushing role on the defensive end. Because they've got Buckner in the middle now, which should eat up more attention. And this is going to be the best chance Toure has with, with Houston on one side and Buckner in the middle and Autry in there as well. Um, Toure is going to have a chance in some one-on-one situations to go get the quarterback. And he's got to do that. And I think you're right. You know, besides the, the loss of Kenny Moore late in the season on that defense, Toure's was one of the most under-discussed absences they had. And they missed him. And they need him to step up in a big way this year. Yeah, I, I think the best case scenario for the Colts is that by the end of the 2020 season, they know whether Kamoka Ture can be a featured pass rusher. I, yeah. I think he can be, but he, he has to prove that. I mean, my my prediction doesn't mean anything. He has to go do it. But I think they should know, hopefully, if this goes according to plan. And, and obviously his health is, is a factor. How far along is he when the season starts, et cetera, and all that. But... Uh, if this goes the way they hope, they should know. They should know what they have by the end of this year. It doesn't mean that he's peaked. It just means they can sort of predict where this might go. So I, I think year two is, or excuse me, this would be year three. This is huge for him. Uh, he's just got to get healthy. If that happens, he's got a shot. Uh, I thought the other thing, I broached this with, uh, with Frank Reich, was uh, Michael Pittman, their top draft pick this year, they've invested a lot in him. Uh, but yet there's this like history that is undeniable. And I wrote about this this week. Rookie wide receivers in the NFL. The history yeah. is not good. Uh, it, it's a tough position to transition to in the NFL. And I went all the way back to 2000. And there were 600 plus wide receivers drafted in the last 20 drafts. And only 11 of those guys had a thousand yard season. Now, I'm not suggesting that. Michael Pittman needs to have a thousand yard season. That's ridiculous. High boy. If he does, that'd be great for the Colts. Like, wow, Uh, that that's probably not going to happen here. They spread the ball too much. I don't see it happening. Um, And and the only guy who gets force fed is T Y Hilton. But that being said, uh, it it just gives you a sense of how tough it is to have an immediate impact. And Frank Reich concurred, but this guy I think is different and he's got a chance to overcome some of that. Um, I thought, Frank Reich was very clear that the the press coverage that they face is such a huge uh, variable for rookie wide receivers. Well, here's a guy who's 220 pounds. Okay, go press that guy. Okay, because yeah. if you don't if you don't get your hands on him perfectly and redirect him, well, guess what? You're going to lose that matchup. And and then I think just the the complexity of the offenses and things of that nature. Well, he played in a pro style offense. I think this guy has an opportunity to really have an early impact. Uh, so I don't know what what have been your impressions of Michael Pittman just from afar. We don't know him that well, but yeah. it just seems like this is not going to be too big for him. I mean, don't you get that sense? I do, and and I don't want to push the I don't want to push it too far in terms of the hype train and all that. 
Mm-hmm. But I got that sense with both him and Taylor in our conversations yeah. with the guys. And, and Pittman has the advantage of having a dad who played in the league for a long time. And that helps. And his dad's going to be able to tell him, here's what it's really going to be like when you step into that locker room full of men as opposed to 18 to 20-year-old kids full of grown men who have been in this league a long mm-hmm. time. I mean, it's going to be different when your locker's next to a teenager and then the next year your locker is a couple down from Justin Houston. You know, and and DeForest (laughs) Buckner and Quentin Nelson, you know, a human refrigerator. So um, that's a big deal to some of these guys. And that's a big transition for a lot of these guys. It's not just on the field, the huge step up in quality of play, but it's the lifestyle. And I've talked to a lot of these guys over the years, and you have as well, about how different it is when football is your job. A lot of them like it. And I just got the sense from Pittman and, and Taylor, too, that they know what to expect more than most college players coming out. And, and they're ready for that transition. And I think Pittman's going to fit in well here because he's not going to have to be the featured guy. They've got T-Way. they got Jack Doyle, on and on. And he's going to have a really solid receiver room to work with. Paris Campbell talked about this yesterday. Um, he doesn't have to be the featured guy. He doesn't have to carry the offense on his shoulders. I think they're going to dial up certain plays for him and let him do his thing. And, and you mentioned the press coverage. You know, If he gets around you, what is he also really, really good at? He's really, really good at jump balls. I mean, that's not going to change. And the jump balls are going to get better in the NFL in terms of where the ball is coming from. Uh, The quarterbacks are better as well. So um, I've got that sense from Pittman as well. And and I think his dad, I think that's a a huge role. He talked about how much his dad mentored him early in his USC career when he was having trouble. And his dad said, look, like I know it seems impossible right now, but you're going to be one of the best receivers in the country by the time you're done at USC. And he is, and he was. And so – um, I think that shoulder to lean on can help a lot as they make this transition from playing with big kids in college and teenagers to grown men who are earning a paycheck in the NFL. Yeah, his dad, who I covered briefly early in my time covering the NFL, 11 seasons in the NFL for that guy. So uh, Michael Pittman Sr. So yeah, that's that not hurt. just like quick run. That's a long career. Yeah. Uh, a lot he, of knowledge. The biggest biceps in NFL history, by the way. Google that guy. Google Michael, Michael Pittman, Pittman. Really? Yeah, Michael Pittman Sr. I, I really, I always said that he was like a bodybuilder who just happened to play football. The guy, he looked like he just walked off Venice Beach. I'm wait, not wait, kidding. Wait. The, he's uh, Leron Landry. Well, he'll, yeah, he's probably <laughs> like number a two. Bodybuilder who happened Leron to play Landry. football. I, I didn't know we were talking about <laughs> Leron Landry. <laughs> they're, they're kind of the same guy. Uh, Pittman, no, Pittman was, was a much much better, better player. Career. Right. Yeah, he had the the longer, more productive, and more consistent career. Uh, Laurent Landry was like, "Yeah, screw this, I'm going to go work out." He but, showed uh, up to <laughs> camp one year with the Colts, and he was so big that I think all of us in the media were like, "All right, who's got week one? Who's got week three in terms of when he gets popped for steroids?" Right. And I think it was like week we four. So right? right? Yeah, man, we were was... so right. Anyone yeah, that was, said the he same. looked like a cartoon. Yeah, like yeah, cartoon. yeah, Michael Pittman was actually a, a really productive player. Had that Super Bowl run with the with the uh, Buccaneers. So, no, he, he was a much better player. Yeah. Anyhow, before we go on, I uh, want to have a, a quick word from Hawthorne uh, with Father's Day coming up. We were talking before we started, uh, hit, before we hit the record button, we were talking about um, our past experiences with Cologne. And um, I recall actually my very early girlfriend buying me a bottle of uh, Polo Cologne, I think it was, um, which I think was a message because I had, I, I probably didn't smell very good because I was a young, yeah, I mean, like, you know, an 18 year old boy, right? I mean, like, do you really think about like, hygiene that much, right? So, 
anyhow, that's too much information. The point is, uh, <laughs> the reason we want to bring this up is because Hawthorne's got an interesting concept here. Uh, so they're, they're having sort of a, a push or making a push for Father's Day. So you take this quiz and it kind of gives you an idea of, of what might work for you in terms of, uh, in terms of scents and in terms of fragrances. And it's kind of interesting. So take the two minute quiz at Hawthorne. It tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work, one for play. It's totally risk-free, free, free shipping, free returns. It's kind of interesting here. So check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E dot C-O, not dot com. Hawthorne.co and use our promo code, which is athletic. Get a 10% off uh, your first purchase with doing that. Uh, that's hawthorne.co. Use our promo code athletic and get 10% off your first purchase at hawthorne.co. All right. So moving on, Zach, uh, we... We heard from a couple of players this week too, and one is a guy you've already mentioned, who's a huge piece of this, and a, a guy Colts fans are really excited about. So, the Forrest Buckner, yeah, uh, the the three technique. We've heard so much about that position. Uh, so let's before we go on, let's hear from the three technique himself, the Forrest Buckner. Um, you know, just being in the meeting room and everything. Um, you know, virtually obviously, but. Um, you know, just seeing, you know, hearing these guys talk and, you know, go through the defense and everything. I mean, we got a lot of smart guys on this team, on this team, a lot of young guys and, um, you know, watching some film, uh, everybody's talented. So, you know, we got a really good group and I'm just excited to get on the field with them because I think we have a lot of potential and, you know, we can, we can take it a long ways this year. And I'm just seeing, you know, the camaraderie on the team and, you know, how everybody gels together. I mean, and that's just over, you know, Zoom. I can't wait to get in the building and, you know, be able to, you know, really get to know everyone personally. Now, Zach, we, we won't see this group together for a little bit. Um, we'll see whether that's in June or July or August or, you know, we'll see. But but when they do get this thing rolling and they, they get that group on the field together, when they get their best four out there, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, and, and I think Buckner made a great point when he said they need to rush as a unit. And that's what they mm-hmm. did in San Francisco. You know, where he had so much success, but what was your big takeaway? I know that you you had some interest in writing about uh, DeForest this week. Uh, what would you take away from that talk? Yeah, it was asked. You know, has anything surprised you so far? You've been in these meetings for a month and a half. Is anything about how the Colts plan to use you, or anything about the tape jumped out in terms of things you didn't expect? And he said, "No, it's exactly what I expect. The terminology is different, but." This is exactly the defense I expected to walk into. And um, he's excited to play with these guys. He, he said he's watched a lot of the tape and he's seen the playmakers. I think, you know, they jump out, right? Darius Leonard, he jumps out on tape. Kenny Moore jumps out on tape. Justin Houston, he talked about, one of the best pass rushers of his era, is a couple spots down from him on the defensive line. So the takeaway from me talking to DeForest Buckner yesterday was this guy is getting antsy. He wants to get on the field. I think a lot of these guys are getting tired of these Zoom meetings. They understand the importance of them, but they want to play football. They want to get on the field. They want to work out with their teammates. Um, I think mini camps are probably a long shot next month. But, um, you know, if we get into the summer break and, and, and training camps are scheduled, you know, six, seven, eight, ten weeks away from football. And that's an exciting thing. And I think Buckner, um, I think he's ready to go because, you know, he, he was on a monster defense in San Francisco and he talked about how coordinator Robert Sala really brought that unit together over the last couple of years and built them up. And what was the engine that drove that unit, right? It was the defensive line. They just kept coming at you. 
That's Chris Ballard's dream. He wants that unit. He wants that San Francisco defensive line. The biggest piece he's ever had since he became the GM in, in Indianapolis is Buckner. And that's where it's going to start. And that's why it's so exciting to think about what this defense could do because uh, they've never had a guy like this at the three-tech. And, and I wrote yesterday, I don't think they've had a guy this good at that position in decades, and I'm, I'd be willing to go further than that. So he's going to change everything. We just need to get these guys in the field to see to see what it looks like. Yeah, I, I think somebody, a reader, actually made this point to me because I've also kind of suggested that they haven't had a guy like this. And, and so a reader, I think, in the comments suggested that, well, hey, what about uh, Booger McFarlane? And I said, you know what? He was great, great during However, the Super Bowl run. However, this guy games. is much better player. Okay, yeah. this guy is a better McFarlane player. Will tell you that too, I think. Oh, no question, no question. Booger McFarland and I know Booger very well. Go way back with him, all the way to my days in Tampa. Booger was his problem was, you know, he was billed as the the heir apparent to Warren Sapp, which is so unfair. <laughs> but but yeah. the point is, uh, he could never be that. But but he was he was always effective, and and I think uh, when he came to Indianapolis, he had a bigger impact because. He was, he he was the missing piece, and I think right. that is that that's why his his impact here is remembered the way it was. But this guy's a better player, a more effective player, a more talented player, no question about it. So he could have a more sizable impact if you think about it, just because just by virtue of being such a better player, so much better of a player than McFarlane was, and and that's again, it's no slight to Booger. It's just a fact. And, and I think yeah, everyone remembers the 375 rushing yards they gave him Jacksonville. And, and Booger came in. It was a rare trade Bill Polian made. And, and he, look, he was an instrumental piece to that defense fixing itself before that Super Bowl run. But, um, you, you know, with Buckner, this is an all-pro guy. This is a pro bowler, multiple years. This is a guy that might be the second best at his position behind Aaron Donald, who's one of the best defensive tackles the league's ever seen. So, um, here I am hyping this guy up, but I think he's going to change things, and I think he's going to make guys like Kamoko Toure better and, and Darius Leonard and, and everyone on the back end too. So I'm really excited for the first day of camp just to see what this guy looks like in pads because we haven't seen a big monster defensive tackle for this team in a long time, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to change just the way they look from the start. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I think the thing with Buckner – uh, that that I asked him about yesterday that I, I wanted to confirm was that was interesting is that I asked him, you know, how different, if at all, will your role be here in terms of specifically what your job duties are in this scheme versus the San Francisco scheme? And he said they're identical. And I just wasn't completely sure about that. And, I, and one of my things on my to-do list in the next few weeks is to do a film breakdown of, of Buckner, maybe even from the Super Bowl game, which I know he, he had a big he impact He was on. a monster I, in that game, especially yeah. the first three quarters. Exactly. So I'll, I'll get more into that, but, but he was very clear. So I think we'll get a really accurate read on how he can perform here in this defense based on what he did in San Francisco. Maybe the talent there was better around him. Certainly we don't, you know, there's the Bosa brother here in Indianapolis. So that, that's right. certainly different, but, but I, I do think that, uh, that, that it will give a very, or a relatively accurate depiction of what he can be. And he was damn good. So, so I think that should, you know, give you some, some hope if you're a Colts fan that, that this guy can be as advertised. I think Colts, I think Colts fans are super excited to see this guy out there. Yeah. Uh, Hey, before we go on, uh, Zach, you got a quick word uh, from hydrant for us. Yes. You did Hawthorne's. This is hydrant. And uh, we all have our, 
morning routines we like to lean on, wake up, exercise, get some coffee. But not everyone has the time to do it all. Uh, with hybrid, you can jumpstart your morning. 75% of us are walking around chronically dehydrated. I didn't know that. Um, wow. We are suffering needlessly from frequent headaches, energy slumps, and poor focus. It doesn't have to be this way. And I know this has been much more challenging and quarantine the last couple of months. Um, but if you want to kick the coffee habit and you're worried about your energy levels, hydrant could be the answer. Um, they can avoid that sluggishness around midday. Um, that we all know too well. Um, hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix in directly with your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Um, each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes that your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. Um, so it basically hydrates you all day. Um, it's backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists, and they proved to be the perfect balance of energy and hydration. Um, there's no synthetic colors, no artificial sweeteners, none of that. The formula is vegan and there's three colors and three, uh, flavors to choose from. Um, so here's the code. If you guys are interested, the code is drinkhydrate.com slash football. And with that code, you would get 25% off your first order. Um, so again, that's drinkhydrate.com slash football. You can get, uh, a 30 day supply. Um, and you can save even more with a monthly subscription. So if you're trying to fight off those midday slumps um, that we all know, um, Hydrant could be the way to go. Awesome. So the other player we heard from this week, Zach, was uh, Paris Campbell. And I think this was one player who I think I had some real interest in hearing from. Um, yeah. We wanted to know just you know where he's at. And, and I think there's, there was so much optimism about him last season and i'll tell you after the draft i mean anybody who watched the colts um sort of uh what do they call it? the next pick i should say um, yeah uh Dr. Frank Manning, Frank running around the room high-fiving yep yeah a lot of that excitement you saw and the exuberance from frank Reich, a lot of that traced back to getting paris campbell because he was in love okay and I can show you text messages on my own phone from Frank Reich after the draft where he had so much excitement about Paris Campbell. I was like, wow, this dude must really be good. I just remember <laughs> so a lot of I, exclamation I points in the text messages that I saw. So, yeah. And then you remember yeah, that draft I mean, was, was all about defense. And it was defense, defense, defense. And then the, the one offensive player they went early was Campbell. So it was finally Frank getting a bone. But um, he was juiced about this guy. I mean, he was really amped about this guy. And then nothing because he got hurt four times. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And not, not listen, I'm not down on this guy. And, and I think that's the point here is we're about to find out whether that was a fluke or whether there should be some concern there. I, I think there is ample evidence that it's a fluke. He has not been a guy who has been sort of often injured in the past, but Let's see what this ha- let's see what this year brings. I-, I think he is such a wild card this year. If this guy takes yeah. off, it changes things. I don't think anybody's assuming anything because I don't. I don't think we should do that ever. But what if this guy takes off, Zach? I mean, like, what, what is it's he a whole wild other, card? How big a whole another level of their offense? I mean, let's let's look at this objectively, right? I think we all saw the talent last year. We saw flashes. Mm-hmm. I know we didn't see enough of it, but. The, the touchdown against Tennessee, we saw the big run against Pittsburgh, and, and there was a fumble, and that needs to be addressed. But I think we all saw what Paris Campbell is capable of. Now, let's go back and look at the injuries. He had a broken foot 
which ended his season. He had a broken hand, and I saw the hand up close, and it was twice the oh. size of a normal hand. It was swollen. There were stitches in it. He played through that in Pittsburgh for a couple of plays. He didn't want to come out of the game that badly. He played through a broken hand. He hurt it on someone's helmet, and he had the sports hernia. And then back in camp, after he absolutely just dominated a day of practice, Frank Reich after the day said, that doesn't look like a rookie. That looks like a bona fide NFL Pro Bowl receiver. Um, he had a hamstring, and th- you know those hamstrings can linger. And this one lingered for four or five weeks, if I remember correctly. So on one end, you saw the talent. On the other end, you saw four fluke injuries that are pretty rare for a guy who's never really been hurt before. So there's a lot of optimism about what he can do this year. He's got to stay on the field. But in this offense, with Pittman out one side and, and T.Y. out the other, and you got Jack Doyle, he could be the perfect slot receiver. And and, and Campbell said yesterday, look, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm 100%. I've been running routes for two months. Um, and you think about how much Frank Reich likes him and likes his skill set. He could be a very, very good candidate to have a breakout season this year. He's got to stay healthy. He said yesterday his goal, number one, is to be on the field every game they play. But um, don't sleep on this kid because he's got talent that's pretty rare. Yeah, and I'll, I'll repeat something I've said before. I love the diversity of this wide receiver room. Yeah. And I'm not talking about their backgrounds. I'm talking about their the types of players they are. So you have T.Y. Hilton, who is, is no longer just a speed guy. He's truly an all-around receiver. But he is a guy who is a major deep threat, okay? And he'll get back to that with Phillip Rivers, I believe. So that's the first thing. Um, then you have now... Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who gives them that big X receiver on the outside, uh, the guy who Devin Funches was supposed to be last year, right? But a guy who who maybe is more athletic than Devin Funches even. So that is an element they have they have really missed. Uh, then you've got Paris Campbell, who's the wild card guy. He is the gad not gadget. I don't like that word, and he probably doesn't either. But he's the yeah, guy. He asked he's about the that versatile yesterday. guy. Yeah. yeah. But that's what that's what he was in Ohio State, and he admitted that he said, "Look, I was a I was a slot guy and a gadget guy, a lot of in the rounds, reverses." But you can do that stuff, and they will do that stuff. They'll throw him screens, basically get him the football and let him work. Uh, that he's a guy who can kind of do a little bit of everything. So, uh, but but definitely has uh, top end speed and and quickness. So, you know, and then don't forget about Zach Pascal, who just works. And just does yeah, everything. I did forget about Zach Pascal for a minute. I don't want to discount him <laughs> either. That dude, to. that dude produced last year. Yeah, I, I think Zach Pascal, if he's if he plays the role that you that you probably want him to play, which is you know like your third receiver or somewhere around there, then he'd be great in that role. I don't think he was bad last year. I'm just saying I don't want him to be my number one receiver. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. if he's your second or third or fourth, him. that's that's great if he's your second and third or fourth receiver. You can make yeah. that work all day. So so I just think they've got, uh, you know, again, health. Last year was a huge reminder about health. But, man, I, I just think given that sort of range of options, you got Frank Reich and you got Phillip Rivers. That is a good combination. They can make things happen with that. I, I really believe the upside is huge. I'm not counting chickens before they hatch, but – I think there's reason to be really optimistic about that that sort of lineup, and when you combine it with what Frank Reich brings to the table, and then a, a, an experienced quarterback like Philip Rivers, um, right? I don't know. Am I crazy? No, it's a really good point about the the, the diversity of the of the wide receiver room. 
and the diversity of their skill sets. And Paris Campbell talked about that yesterday. He said, you look at what we can mm-hmm. do and we can do just about everything. Every guy can do different things. And that's good. They're not all the same receiver. Um, and we asked him about the gadget type receiver role and the, and the, and the, you know, the characterization that he's had since he entered the league, that he's just a slot guy and, and he's working to change that. And the Colts believe he can become an outside threat as well. Um, but here's what Paris had to say about, you know, whether he's more than a gadget type receiver and how he sees his game evolving over the next couple of years. I felt like um, coming in, you know, I had that label. I mean, and I, I mean, I wasn't mad at it, you know, at Ohio State, really. I mean, that was kind of my role. You know, I was a screen guy, jet sweep guy, short, quick slant, stuff like that. Um, so that was all people saw. Um, but honestly, um, the person that I am and knowing what I could do, I always knew that I could do more. Um, and I think um, that's what the whole entire Colts organization saw me um, do throughout the draft process and the combine and all that stuff. They they saw my ability to um, not just be limited to slide and all those gadget plays. So um, I think they knew that ahead of time. Um, but definitely, you know, just the more reps that I get um, at playing outside receiver or whatever it is, um, definitely think um, you know, I'm just continuing to get better with it. Yeah, that's I think that's it in a nutshell. And, and that's something that Frank Reich said after he was drafted he said hey hey don't put this guy in a box and and i think he's adamant about that number one because he believes he can do more frank reich believes that paris can do more and beyond that i think this offense requires that you do more yeah that's something that frank reich is is really adamant about he says all the time he says you know we want to be multiple in the way we attack teams and you can't do that if everybody's static and playing the same role all the time right. you have to have you have to be able to have different lineups different formations and present different looks to the defense and the way you do that is by using guys in different spots and in different roles so it is a fundamental part of their offense and it makes it incumbent upon the players within that offense to be able to do that and to be able to perform these different roles. So Naheem Hines as well, by the way, another yeah, guy who that's another uh, I think name is, is an example. Yeah, an example of a guy with multiple dimensions. So uh, the tight ends as well, who we haven't talked about. So uh, this is this is an offense that sets up Frank Reich in terms of the personnel. It sets up Frank Reich to do what he really likes to do, which is to be multiple and to be right unpredictable and and not get static and bogged down so uh, and what i know is, he's you know, chomping at the bit I, I can't even imagine when people ask how did you describe frank reich's offense i just say one word i just say multiple i don't know what exactly that means but yeah. that's just the thing that I, it comes to my mind and what do players tell us all the time receivers in this offense tell us we have to know every single spot x y z we have to know every role which means paris campbell is going to play on the outside some this year he's going to play inside they move ty around a lot obviously they want him to get a free release and you know the days of of you know marvin on the left and reggie on the right every single play whether the defense (laughs) changes or not is those are long gone frank reich is going to keep things multiple he's going to keep it varied and I think it really excites him what Paris Campbell can do in a, in a bunch of different spots. The goal, obviously, is to utilize that 4-3 speed, get him the ball possibly in space, and then he can get some yards after the catch that this team needs. They didn't have a lot of that last year, and fans out there know they haven't had a lot of that the last couple of years. And, you know, T.Y., as good as he is, usually goes down right after he catches the ball. Um, so they're looking for those easy yards, and that's where Naheem Hines comes in. And that's where Paris Campbell comes in. So I'm bullish on this kid as well. The first thing he needs to do is put together a healthy camp. He needs to get out there and get reps with his new quarterback. 
Um, but look, he was a third round pick and, and he deserved it. And they were really high on him after the draft. Um, Frank Reich loved this kid after the combine. He was basically smitten with him. Um, I'm excited to see him on, on my list of five guys. I'm most anxious to see this year in this uniform. I think Paris Campbell is, is definitely right up there with the rest of them. Yeah. So, so we'll see. I, I think lots of reasons to be intrigued by this team. I mean, it, it's all, it's all talk and it's all on paper right now, especially yeah. this off season where no one has set foot on a football field, but you know, it's all we got. And I think, but I do think there's a lot to go on because it's, we're not talking about, having no evidence here we've seen the flashes we've seen philip rivers now for 16 years right we've seen a lot of these guys in different um at different levels do various different things so so we're not you know none of this is based on just complete hypotheticals so so we'll see they've got to put it all together though and that's the hard part so and and on that topic before we move on you know one one guy who's buying the hype is frank reich and he tried to downplay it but he was looking at his depth chart the other night, Memorial Day, and he was so amped that he texted Chris Ballard and basically said, you did a hell of a job building this roster. <laughs> and and this was Frank Reich's words. He said, everything was measured and calculated and poised. We let the game come to us. And and, and Ballard's been adamant about this in, in my conversations with him over the last couple of months is, we were very patient the first couple of years. We wanted to build this and build it the right way. So what they did was they built the offensive line and they built the defensive line and they didn't spend big in free agency. And then when the opportunity came this year, the opportunity they felt they had no choice. They felt it was a no-brainer. They went and got Buckner. They went and got Rivers. They paid him a lot of money. And they feel like those are the players that could take them to the next step because the, the building blocks are there. Um, and Frank Reich was sitting there looking at his depth chart saying, we don't have a lot of holes. And he's, he's, he's pretty amped about this season. It's pretty obvious. The more that we get into this offseason, the more he works with Rivers, he's really confident they can take the next step. Um, I think the next step for them is probably a divisional playoff game. I don't think I'm ready to go further than that. I still think Tennessee and Baltimore and obviously Kansas City are the teams to beat in the AFC. But if the Colts can get back in the playoff picture – you know, that proves that this process is paying off and do it without Andrew Luck, um, who retired. So they need to move on from that. But I think, you know, I think the hype and the, and the anticipation is starting to build around this team. I think there's a lot, a lot to like. And I know the Colts feel that way as well. Yeah, I will say this. I thought, Frank, it was very interesting to hear him <laughs> be as uh, as bullish as he was publicly uh, the other yeah. day. Because, I mean, I, I do think that, uh, he's smart enough to know, and, and don't get me wrong, like he's he's an exceedingly positive guy, okay? <laughs> and we know yeah. that. Like he doesn't criticize his players and everybody's really good and, and everybody's <laughs> uh, going to have a great year. I get all that. But at the same time, you know, you don't necessarily ever put yourself out there as a head coach and say, you know what? <laughs> we got a hell of a team. I'd be like, yeah. Ah, that's he said the, the right play is to underpromise and overperform. But uh, so he knew what he was doing. <laughs> Right. So it's like, I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And and I don't have a problem with it. I'm fine with it. I'm just illustrating the point that I, I think, you know, that's a bold, that's a bold take, you know, for head coach uh, in June of, uh, or excuse me, in May, late May of a, of a season where you haven't even had your hands on your football team yet. And yet he still, uh, I think was, was so willing to be really bullish about the team. So that was interesting. I just thought that's noteworthy, and I'm glad you brought it up because I do think it it speaks to um, what they think they can be this year. So, but we'll know soon. 
I think, Hopefully. I hope. <laughs> we're on the right track, so so hang in there. Um, hey, we're getting there. That's all we can say. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Colts had some employees back to work this week, and, and basically yeah. their approach is we're going to prepare for everything, but we think if everything continues to go well without any – you know, you know, curveballs or you know, backwards right. steps, setbacks. Moving what you're towards for, yeah. a training camp, right? Yeah. So, all good news, uh, and that's a, that's the good thing. We haven't had any any setbacks yet. Of course, the the ball hasn't even started rolling for the most part, but uh, there haven't been any unanticipated sort of curveballs, as you said, uh, that that have kind of caused anyone to to rethink. How they're they're going about this now? Fans in the stands and all that. We that will come later. I, I don't know where that stands. Nobody does. But right. uh, in terms of playing the game, that may happen, and I think there's a good chance it will. So, anyhow, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for subscribing to the Athletic. We appreciate you all. Uh, lots of great coverage still to come, and I know we're both working on stuff that we're really excited for you to read. So stay tuned, hang in there, and keep checking us out at the Athletic. I'm Stephen Holder. With Zach Kiefer, thanks again for listening to 1% Better.